We're in our series All In that we started for uh, the new year. We felt there was nothing more appropriate than starting off the year by uh, being encouraged and challenged to be all in on Jesus. And you know, one of the beauties, I say this a lot, one of the beauties of being able to preach these series is that I get to study and I'm always challenged and encouraged, probably in some ways even more than you guys are because I'm just, I'm diving in deep into this stuff every week. And uh, man, I tell you, I, I don't know a lot, but I know enough to know that there is, I don't know that there's anything more important in the tenets of our faith than being all in on Jesus. I think we miss out on so much of what God has for us because we are not willing to really be all in on his word, on, what, on his words, on the word of God, and on discipleship, evangelism, and community. And today I wanna to talk to you about being all in on community because I believe it is essential to us as followers of Jesus to be all in on community. You know, the Bible talks a lot about community, probably more than you may even think or realize off the top of your head. In fact, as I was studying this, I realized a few things that I hadn't even noticed in the context of community in the past. And you know, the Bible talks a lot about fellowship, which is obviously community. It talks a lot about unity and the importance of unity. You can't have unity without having community. And then it also talks about in, uh, I think it's in Romans, it says to live in harmony with each other. Now, harmony is obviously a kind of a musical word, and I don't know much about music except to know that I'm not good at it, but I know enough to know that you can't have harmony without having multiple people. It's multiple parts, so that even that word in itself is given the connotation of community that we are designed for today. So um, my text verse is, is actually out of Hebrews 10, and uh, would you please stand with me as we honor God's word, as we read his word together. Uh, Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25, and I've highlighted the the portions of this that are action verbs for us as his followers, okay? It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. That's one of the best sentences in all the Bible, guys. We could hold to the hope we have, not because of our goodness or our faithfulness, but because he is faithful. Then it goes on to say, let us consider how we may spur one another on, that's community, toward love and good deeds, let us not give up meeting together, that's community, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and you guessed it, that's also community, all, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The title of my message today is All In the Family, not the TV show All In the Family, but All In the Family, okay? The TV show was offensive and edgy, we're not gonna do that today, all right? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is life. It is the breath that we breathe. Lord, I pray today that in this remaining time we have together, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, challenge us, and convict us where needed. And God, let our hearts be good soil so that you could produce fruit in our lives for your kingdom, for your glory, for your purposes, but also for our good. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank the Lord. So the Bible talks about us being a family. You know, we are bought into, brought into the family of God as followers of Jesus. We are, we are encouraged in my text verse here to spur one another on, to not give up meeting together, to encourage one another. This is all community. This is all because we are considered a family. We talk about it a lot here at New Hope, that we're like a big family. And, you know, it kind of works as far as terminology and just 
uh, given a, a, a word picture of who we are, but it really is biblical that we are called to be family together. And um, we're called to be part of community. And, and community can mean a lot of things for us. You know, it's, there's different levels, there's different depths of community depending on how much you are willing to be vulnerable. Because, vulnerable, because community is not just showing up, community is being known. Now there's an aspect of community that's showing up. You all showed up for church today. I'm really thankful for that. We're glad you're here. And that's a, that's a great thing. But you, you know as well as I do, you can show up every Sunday and never really be part of the community. You can never be vulnerable and still be around, right? And that's not God's best for us. We are called to be in community together, which means being vulnerable. And I know for some of us that's difficult because for some of you, you might have spent years building up walls in front of you that you don't really have any intention of tearing down or maybe you just don't know how to tear them down. And so it's kept you from being vulnerable because maybe you've been hurt in the past in some form of community, whether it's in a church or in a professional setting or in school or amongst friends, family, whatever it is. Maybe the term saying we're a family is, is something that's difficult for you because your experience with family hasn't really been good. But as the family of God, it's, just, it's a lot more than just trying to get along together. It's about fulfilling his purposes for our life and for your life that he has for you. And I know that to be all in a community, you have to have buy-in. To be all in, we have to have buy-in, right? And that's what I hope to give you today, to help you have some buy-in, because we were created for community because we were created out of community. Genesis 1.26 tells us very, very clearly, God says, let us make man in our image, or in our likeness. Let us, he's referring not to himself, he doesn't call, talk to himself as a more than one person. God the Father is saying let us, he's speaking to the fact that he is the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. There was community before the first human was ever put on this earth. So he's saying let us make man in our image. So we're made in his image and in his likeness, which means he has community and we are designed to have community as well. We are hardwired in our DNA to want community. And you all know this. We all want to be in community. In fact, I, I've read enough about uh, punishments in prisons where they do solitary confinement. Some places it's been outlawed because it's considered to be one of the worst forms of torture and punishment for someone because being isolated for an extended period of time is not good for any of us. Mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, because we are designed to be together. We are designed for community. And we have been created for such a time as this. You know, God has a plan for your life. I, I so desperately want us, to, want us to believe it and know it, that we were not created by accident, no matter what anybody has said, you are not an accident. You were created for such a time as this. God has a plan for your life, and it is good. His plans are always good for us. And he loves you more than you could ever possibly fathom or put words around, no matter how hard you were to try. He loves you that much. And he created you for a purpose, and part of that purpose is that you would have community. Now, as much as I want you to believe it and I want you to grab onto it, what I know is that I can only show you the door. You have to walk through it. I can only show you the path. You have to walk it. And some of you may have seen the door and been on the path and rejected it, and you just need to be reminded today of the importance of it for your own well-being for your life, but also for the kingdom of God as well. 
Because here's the deal, church, you also have an enemy who has a plan for your life. You have a spiritual enemy who has a very clear plan for your life. And what I can tell you is, it has nothing to do with being part of the body of Christ. It has nothing to do with being in community. In fact, it's the opposite. His plan for you is that you would be isolated. His plan for you is to divide and conquer. His plan for you is that you would get hurt enough in community, in the body, that you would reject and put up those walls. And when we do that in our life, we are actually fulfilling the enemy's plan for our life. Now, that's not to condemn us. I think we've probably all been there where we've been hurt, everybody's been hurt, I've been hurt in church, Joy's been hurt in church. If you've been in church for more than a few weeks, you've been hurt. Because church is all full of people. And people hurt people, right? Because we're hurt, so we hurt people, and it just, that's just the way it is. Hopefully there's less hurt in the church than there is out there, but we all have been hurt. And so what we do is we can put up walls, and when we do that, for however long that season is, we are fulfilling what the enemy's plan for your life is. It doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. It doesn't mean you're a devil lover. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means you're not getting God's best for you. You're actually falling into the traps that the enemy would set for you in your life because that is not what we are designed for. We are called to community because our faith calls us to community. You see, our faith is not transactional. Your faith is not meant to be transactional. It's not this, like, this is what I'll do for you, God, and you do this for me, and I do this, and you do this and just making transactions with God. That's not what our faith is supposed to be. Many of us live that way in our faith, but that's not how it's designed. It's designed to be relational. It's designed to be one of complete and total and utter surrender to God. And when we do that, we can live in community the way that he has uh, caused us or wants us to function in community. You see, if, you're, if your faith is transactional and it's really about like, okay, God, I'm gonna do this so that you forgive me of my sins so that I don't have to live separated from you for all eternity, right? Now, does that happen? Of course it does. I gave my heart, my life to Jesus, forgives me for my sins, so I'm not confined to being separated from him for all of eternity in hell, right? That's part of it, but that's not the sum total of our faith. That's kind of the, that's the genesis of our faith, but from there, it's not about transaction. It's about, okay, it's about giving my life completely over to him and trusting him in my life. And if your life is really just been, if your faith is really just about not going to hell, you're missing out on a lot of what God has for you. I mean, that's a good thing that your faith would keep you out of hell. I know there's some places out there that even churches that would preach that there is no hell. Um, I don't know where people get this. Uh, if you look in the gospels, the person that talked about hell more than anyone else in your Bible is Jesus. I don't know why Jesus would talk about something that doesn't exist, makes no sense, or that it's just some figurative thing. Jesus was very clear that hell is very real, and those that are, do not know him and not put their faith and their trust and their love in him before they die from this life, they are going to be in hell. And so us not wanting to be there is a good thing. That's how I started in my faith, right? Sometimes you just need to get, get, get it scared out of you for a minute. But that's no way for us to continue to live our life. It's not supposed to be the sum total of this faith. It's just the very beginning of it for us, and it's about loving him and living our life for him. I can tell you, if hell wasn't real, I sure wouldn't be here doing this. What good is it, right? I mean, if, we only, if we're only living for Jesus for this life and there's nothing that could, uh, there's no other option, then what are we doing? I mean, Paul tells us in Corinthians that if we only have hope in Jesus for this life alone, we are to be pitied. It's not just about this life, it's about an eternity with him. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here, I can tell you that. 
My heart and my desire is that we can get as many people, we can storm the gates of hell and get as many people out of there as possible in my lifetime. Amen. Faith that is real is rooting yourself in community. That's real faith. It's when we are rooting ourselves in community to help others, to help ourselves, and to help the kingdom of God, to serve the kingdom of God in our life. I hope you know, if you've been here any amount of time, I hope you know, it's kind of a soapbox I get on, that, that our faith, saying you believe something is not faith. Faith is really proving what you believe. Our actions determine, our actions give evidence to what we actually believe. If I say I believe something, but my actions don't back it up, do I really believe it? Probably not. Because our actions are the evidence of what we really believe in our life. So I wanna take you to a passage of scripture just briefly here in John 6 um, that uh, many of you are familiar with. It's actually a very long chapter. It's got 72 verses in it, I think. And a lot happens in this chapter. And there's some, a couple things that happen here that I think kind of speak to community as the body of Christ, okay? And uh, so in John 6, I'll kind of give you a quick overview. This is the chapter where it starts off. He, Jesus feeds the 5,000 uh, with five loaves of bread, two small fish, one of the most incredible miracles in all the Bible to think, in fact, they say there's probably closer to 10,000 people there, that he took a little handful of food and fed 10,000 people is just mind-boggling, right? We can't even get our brains around anything like that. Um, and he feeds all these people, and then that night, the, his 12 disciples got in a boat to go across the lake, and Jesus didn't go in the boat, but as they're going across the lake, all of a sudden they see him walking on water. Another incredible miracle, the idea of walking on water. Like, you know, if you've grown up at church, you've heard it so many times, you don't even think about it anymore, but to think walking on water, what an incredible feat. And uh, Jesus gets in the boat, and they are immediately brought to the other side of the lake. And then the next morning, all these people that Jesus fed the day before, they noticed that he's not where they were, so they found out that he was across the lake, so they all went over there too. Probably expecting for him maybe to feed them again. You know, maybe this time with some crab legs instead of fish, you know, some melted butter. I don't know what they were expecting, but uh, Jesus has all these people come to him, and it says that they're actually disciples of his now. They, they received his, uh, his what, what he was selling, they were buying it. And so they were his disciples, and he gets over there, and he starts talking to them again, but now he's making reference to the bread, but he's saying that I am the bread of life. That's what he's telling them. He says, I'm the bread of life. No one's ever talked like this ever to people at, at this time. He says, I'm the bread of life, and if you really wanna be my disciple, if you wanna be part of me, then you're gonna have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, obviously, Jesus was talking figuratively there, but he was basically giving them the, the, uh, the idea that to be his disciple, you're gonna have to be all in. And this is a community of believers that he's talking to, okay? And this is a hard word for these guys to understand. In fact, um, in verse 60, it says this. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples... That's his community of believers. They said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? So he's talking to this community and he's telling them what it looks like to be his disciple. And they're saying, wow, that's a tough word. Who can actually accept that? The words of Jesus sometimes are difficult, right? They're actually meant to be challenging in our life. If, if our faith is easy, we've kind of missed the point. We're not, it's, our faith is not about making us more comfortable. Our faith is meant to make us uncomfortable because unfortunately for all of us, we still have a flesh man that we have to deal with every day. So if we're gonna live out this faith, it's going to make us uncomfortable. If we're gonna grow in our faith, it's gonna make us uncomfortable. And you know what else is uncomfortable sometimes? Community. 
So community is going to sometimes make us uncomfortable, and even this community of believers with Jesus, he's making them uncomfortable. But you know, if you think about it in life, almost everything that grows and gets better has to get uncomfortable, right? If you're gonna get fit, you're gonna grow muscles, you're gonna go to the gym, you're gonna lift weights. I used to lift, that's uncomfortable, especially after about the fifth rep, right? It gets uncomfortable. If you're gonna get endurance in your lungs, you're gonna have to run until it hurts so that you can get more endurance. You're gonna be uncomfortable in that. If you wanna, education, even education is uncomfortable. Going to school and, and reading stuff that you know, really probably isn't of much interest to you and having to study and take tests, it's uncomfortable, amen, youth? All right, they're awake. It's uncomfortable, right? Even, even growing, your body growing. You know, you've heard of people having growing pains as you grow when your body is stretching. Now, I've never experienced that, but I'm sure some of you have. Right? I think I was done growing by about seven or eight, somewhere in there. Um, but even in that, we, we go through discomfort. And I can tell you today that, that Jesus is okay with us being uncomfortable. In fact, he looks for it. He was looking to make these guys uncomfortable in their life because that's what it takes for us to actually grow. And then in John, in verse 66, it tells us how some of these guys reacted. It says, from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They, got to, they wanted the comfort. They were coming to Jesus because, hey, he fed us yesterday. We gotta stay with this guy. And then Jesus says, well, it's actually gonna be more than just eating some fish and bread. It's gonna get uncomfortable. You're gonna have to give everything to me. They said, whoop, we're out, thank you. And they walked off because it was uncomfortable. Now, where do you think these guys went when they left Jesus? You think they just went somewhere and like went to their own home and sat isolated on their couch and watched TV? Well, these guys obviously didn't, but no, they probably went somewhere else and found some community somewhere else. Because see, we're all wired for community, all of us. It's not, it's not exclusive to the Christian faith. Everybody wants community. Teenagers want community, whether they're saved or not. Kids want community. Professionals want community. Drunks, partiers want community. It's no fun to party alone, right? Everybody wants community. It's just a matter of where you're going to find it in your life. And Jesus will challenge us if we're gonna find it with him, it's gonna come with a price. And he, he goes on in the next two verses then, he, all the, some of these other disciples left him. And, and remember, it says they were disciples. They weren't, these weren't fringe crowd people. These were disciples that said, too much. And so Jesus looks at his 12 and he says this. He says, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12 and Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I highlighted we there because Paul, Peter is saying, where shall we go? Where should our community go? Where else are we going to find community? I wish so much that that was all of our hearts, that we would say, where else am I gonna find community? Where am I gonna find meaning in my life? Where else am I gonna find purpose in my life? And he wasn't asking Jesus, by the way, is there anywhere else? Can I find it somewhere else? Can I, you know, is it, can I get it with my sports team or can I get it with some other friends? It was a rhetorical thing. He's saying, where else would we go, Lord? We know you have the words of eternal life. And listen, he's, notice he didn't say they're like, where else would we go, Lord? I mean, you fed us for free yesterday. I mean, where else are we gonna get fed for free? 
You know, where else am I gonna see some dude walking on water? Where else am I gonna, you know, with all the stuff you can do, if you can get all this food for 10,000 people, I assume you can probably pad my retirement account too. Like, where else would I go, Jesus? You're gonna bless me. It's not what he said. He said, where else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. You, you're everything. You're everything. Where else can I go to find community? And church, if we need that revelation from God, that that's where it's at. It's in him and nowhere else. Nowhere else are we ever going to find it. You know, we can, we can have community in other places that's, that's outside of the church, and that's fine. You know, it's, we have to to some degree. You know, you gotta work, and you got neighborhoods, and you know, we find community even with our sports teams, and you know, I, I, think, it's, I think it's great. You know, this year the Braves won everything, and the Bulldogs won, and it's a wonderful thing, and it's exciting, but you know what happens two days after the championship game? Eh. It didn't pad my bank account. Still gotta go to work the next day, you know? It doesn't really, it's, it's somewhat empty. Yeah, there's bragging rights and it's fun and it's, it's fun to banter with people, especially Alabama fans. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change anything, right? That's not the kind of community that changes our life. It's the community of the body of Christ that actually brings change and helps us in our life. So I wanna give you a couple points today. I'll try to go through these in a timely manner. The first one is the community is not optional. I really wanna drive this point home today. Community is not optional. I believe it is essential in our life. And if you don't believe that it is essential in your life, I, I don't mean this to, to be any way, but I want you to know you've believed a lie. It does, it's not just for extroverts. It's not just for people that just have to have 50 friends and people that just love to be with people all the time. My wife, is a, she's an introvert. On the Myers-Briggs, she's an I. She's a fairly high I. She has all kinds of wonderful community because we believe in it, because we believe that's the call of God on all of our lives as his followers, that we would find community in our life. Romans 12, four reemphasizes this. The Apostle Paul said, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. You know, the arm doesn't get the option to say, you know what, I don't wanna be part of the body anymore and just kind of fall off and lay there. Now, I will say this, if it does, it's still an arm, but it's not functioning. It's not gonna function the way an arm's meant to function. I don't mean to sound grotesque, talk about an arm falling off, but uh, you know, I'm just trying to paint a picture here for you. We are all part of one body and we all belong to each other. Why is that? Why do you think God set it up that way? I believe part of the reason is because he uses community to build the kingdom of God. Think about it, church. Every one of you in here could probably testify to someone in your community encouraging you, challenging you, helping you in your relationship with Jesus. Every one of us. I mean, does God do supernatural miracles where he doesn't use people sometimes? Of course. Can you have a dream? You know, I hear, I hear Lots of people get converted, especially in the Middle East and places that are unreached. People will get converted in their sleep because they'll have a dream about Jesus. Very common, right? God can do anything he wants to do. So we're thankful for that. But he uses, he has set it up to use his body to advance the kingdom of God, to advance his will and his purposes in this world. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have said it here, that we're all one body and we all belong to each other. What do we need that for if, if it's not about the kingdom of God? That's what it's here for. 
So you might ask, well, can I be saved if I'm not part of community? Of course you can. I'm not being dogmatic here and saying you have to be in community or you don't really love Jesus. I'm not saying that at all, but I do think there can be somewhat of a blind spot in our life sometimes. Community doesn't bring salvation. What community does, it helps solidify and strengthen our salvation in our life. That's what it's designed for. And salvation is meant to be the gateway into this wonderful body of believers. It's the gateway. Salvation is meant not to just save us from hell, but it's meant to be a gateway for us to be able to be part of the body. Because you can't be part of this body unless you are saved. You can't really be part of it. You can be with this body, and you can, be, you can hang out and be around, but to be actually be, be an actual member of the body, you have to be a follower of Jesus. And you see, this is God's idea. It's God's idea, he's the one that set it up for us to be used to, be, to help build his kingdom and to encourage each other. And you might say, well, why did he set it up that way? I have no idea, you'll have to ask him. But I know that he's sovereign, and I know that it works. Do you know there are, there are things, like God has set up things all, all over the place. He has set limits on himself even. You know there are things that God can't do? Before you label me a heretic, uh, hear me out here. You know the Bible says that God can't lie. He, is not, he cannot lie is what the Bible says. You know that God could never destroy the earth again with a flood? I mean, does he have the ability to do it? Of course he does but he can't do it because when Noah came out of the ark, God made a covenant with him, put the rainbow in the sky and said, that rainbow will remind me that I will never, ever flood the earth again like that. So God can't do it because he limits himself, because he's gonna stick to his word. He cannot go against his word. Do you know what else he can't do? He cannot be pleased with us if we don't have faith. That's a little, that hits home a little more, right? Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it is impossible to please God. So God cannot be pleased with you or me if we don't exercise faith in our life. So there's things that God cannot do because he has set up his own limitations and there's things that he's ordained to use his people for. And one of those things is that he would use us to help advance his kingdom. Imperfect people. And everybody said? <laughs> the perfect people wouldn't say amen, but I don't think there are any in here, so I think we're okay. Uh, we're all imperfect and God uses us and he will fill us with his spirit to empower us and anoint us to help fulfill his purposes for our life and for his kingdom in this world. We have to get away from this mindset that we are not part of the answer and we just wanna keep our nose clean. We have to get away from that mindset because that is not a godly, biblical mindset that he has for us. All right, secondly, Community is a significant portion, uh, is a significant portion of our strength. Community is a significant portion of our strength. This is where it's a benefit for us. I think we'd all agree that we need strength beyond our own to thrive in this life. I think we, I know myself, I, I can see, especially as I look back, I see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in me helping me to thrive in this life in ways that I could never have done actually on my own. We all need each other. We belong to each other. We are not strong enough on our own, and we're not even designed to be strong enough on our own. Isolation keeps us from thriving. I have never seen someone that has completely isolated themselves from the body of Christ, and they're thriving. Never seen it. 
And I feel pretty confident that we never will because it's not the way it's set up. We can fool ourselves into thinking we are, but we're really not. In 2 Peter 1, this is a, a, a favorite verse of mine that I, I've, real, I've read so many times, but I feel like I saw it in a, in a new light this week. 2 Peter 1, verses five to eight, it says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness and godliness brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love, love, love this verse so much because I think this verse is more about living out our faith and community than we can even realize. Because he starts off by saying, first of all, make every effort. So there's something for us to do. Okay, we don't just sit back. We make every effort to add to our faith. Then he goes down this list of things that we add. Goodness, uh, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. Those first few things are about really about me. It's about making my life better. If I, if I add to my faith you know, self-control, that's gonna be good for me. Uh, if I add perseverance, that's gonna be good for me. So it starts off with these things that will help us. Then he goes on to give a few more things. He says, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Those things, I believe, are all lived out in community. You, you can't have brotherly kindness, being kind towards one another if there's no community, right? There's no need for it. If I'm alone desert, on a desert island by myself, I don't need to be kind to anyone because there isn't anyone. Kindness is exemplified through how we treat other people. Kindness and love, obviously, and, and godliness. These are lived out in community. So Peter is telling us here that, yeah, you know what, we need to make every effort to add to our faith some things that are gonna be good for us, but things that are also gonna be good for community of believers too, that you're gonna be in, in your life. So basically, just working on yourself isn't enough. It's good to work on ourselves. Praise God that we work on ourselves too, but we are designed to be part of community. And I love it because he says, he finishes off the verse by saying that if we do these, it'll keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge. Knowledge is great, but you know what? Just knowledge, you could read the word every day. You could have the gospels memorized and the first five books of the Old Testament memorized and know everything there is to know about the Bible and still be ineffective and unproductive. Very, very possible. In fact, I would say there are a lot of people that live that way. Very focused on filling their head with the knowledge and being having some form of godliness, as the Bible says, but not really using that in community, not really being effective and productive in community. You don't need to be effective and productive if you're living isolated. This is about living in community in our life. And he says to make every effort. It's no small thing. It's not something where we just say, God, I hope you help me. Here's my, here's my token prayer, now let me go off and do my thing. Make every effort. And he says, for this very reason, that's how he starts that verse, for this very reason, make every effort. Well, to, hear, to know what this very reason is, you have to go back a verse or two, and it tells that the Lord has given us everything we need to live godly lives and to escape the corruption of the world. To escape the corruption of the world, and I believe with all my heart that is about to help advancing the kingdom of God. Not just to escape the corruption so you feel nice and warm and fuzzy, but to help advance the kingdom of God, to build the kingdom of God. Listen, church, I believe the Lord is shaking the church unlike any shaking that's happened in my lifetime 
over these last couple years, I, I believe with every ounce of my being that one of the biggest reasons God has allowed this pandemic was to shake the church. I'm not saying he brought it, I'm saying he allowed it, because obviously everything has to go past him to get here. So he obviously has allowed it. And there's probably reasons we'll never know. He's sovereign, we don't know everything, we don't understand everything, but I know I could see the pre-pandemic church and now the, the mid to hopefully close to the post-pandemic church, wherever we're at in this, and the difference is palpable. And even the way we approach ministry is changing because, at least for me and for Joy, the way that we are approaching it, 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 is, it opened my eyes to so many things that, you know, in the, before, it's so easy to get into this, this mindset and this pattern of thinking, oh, if there's people in the church, if there's, you know, if the seats are full, that we're doing good, and that's a good thing. You know, and God, praise God, God's blessed, and you were seeing all kinds of good stuff. And some of that is, I'm not saying, that I'm not against numbers, and I, there's some of that that, that that is good, but to, you could get so uh, lazy and so nearsighted in ministry just by wanting to think about numbers and wanting to think about how many people are in your church and is your church growing, and of course we want growth, but I could tell you today without a question that if, when the Lord is shaking the church, that I believe it's, he's doing it for a good thing so that people that want to be part of the body of Christ, I'm not just talking about new hope, I'm talking about the body of Christ, that we are, uh, that we are commissioned, that we are focused, and that we are determined that we are going to win our communities, that we are going to see the lost saved, that we are gonna see the broken healed, we're gonna see the captive set free, and praise God, yes. And, and believe me when I say this, I, I believe we can do more with less if we have people that are excited about the kingdom of God. We're not, we're not trying to build a church full of people that wanna come here on a Sunday to appease guilt. You wanna appease your guilt? You go work out after you ate a whole box of ice cream, right? That's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to raise up an army of people that wanna be part of a community that wanna see the kingdom of God advance, amen. So we praise God for that. All right, third and finally, community is messy. <laughs> community is messy. It's messy because people are messy. It's messy because people are awkward. You know, I've taken dozens of personality tests, dozens, ad nauseum sometimes. And I can tell you that no matter how normal you think you are, there's people that think you're awkward. And no matter how awkward you think you are, there's people that think you're normal. So we are all different, all of us. There's, God's made us in any, every shape and size and, and mindset and all kinds of different stuff, right? And we are messy because we are people. And if we know that going into community, it helps us to not get derailed so easily, okay? I'm not trying to invite you into a community of believers that's just got it all together, we're perfect. And you know, our, we, I mean, I wake up and my hair's already combed and my teeth are already brushed and everything's just perfect. We're not trying to sell that kind of community. In fact, it's the opposite. We're, community is messy. Even church community is messy. I can tell you, Joy and I, our passion is that this church would grow because people are getting saved, not just transfer growth, okay? I mean, you're gonna have some of both and that's fine, but where my heart really goes is to see people get saved, to see people get baptized, 
to see people get filled with the Spirit of God that want to live for him passionately, right? Okay, those people, newly saved people, are messy. I, I know. When, when, if you can think back to when you were first saved, you were probably pretty messy. God doesn't usually just overnight just poop and we're all sanctified and doing great, right? You, newly saved people cuss in church. <laughs> newly saved people do some weird things that kind of make us go, whoa, you know? Newly saved people are messy, so we, we're okay with a messy church. We're okay with that because we're supposed to be a hospital for the sick, the spiritually sick, right? And so we have to understand the community is going to be messy. In fact, Paul says in Colossians 3, in verse 13, he says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Bear with each other. That word bear in the Greek means endure. It's probably a better word. Endure each other. Long suffering with each other. We have to endure each other because we are people. But you know what, it feels like sometimes it's the opposite. We come into a community of believers and we don't wanna endure. In fact, we want it to be nice and easy and when something happens that we do have to endure, oftentimes we just pull up and move to the next community or maybe reject community all in all. When in reality, Paul tells us that we need to endure because there's going to be situations that come up. I mean, this is no secret to us, right? We have to endure in all relationships. You know, you have to endure in, in marriage. I mean, not my marriage, mine's perfect, but for all you guys, I'm sure you guys have to do some enduring in your marriages. We have to endure each other. We have to put up with things. We have to forgive. We have to look past sometimes. We have to do a lot of things to be willing to be able to really be in community. It's scary because when we're vulnerable, the way Jesus intended us to be vulnerable, to be part of community, we are setting ourselves up to be hurt sometimes. And listen, we've all, we've all been there. But I could tell you unequivocally, I would rather risk being hurt. I would rather have issues in life and, and go through times where I am hurt and, and upset and frustrated so many times at the, at, the, at the possibility of being able to help the kingdom of God, to help plant seed, to help sow, sow good things into the kingdom. I would rather do any of that rather than try to just be safe my whole life. Amen? The community is going to be messy. You know, I found a verse this week that uh, I hadn't really noticed in the past and it instantly became one of my favorites because I think it says so much. It's in Proverbs 14 and verse four. It says, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need an ox, a strong ox, for a large harvest. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Man, do I love this verse. This just speaks to my heart so deeply, and it, it highlights everything in life where I have wanted to just have a clean stable. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty clean person. I'm pretty tidy in my life. You know, my office is pretty much in order. I like things put in their place. My car is usually pretty straight. My uh, closet's in order for the most part. When I'm at home, I like things put away. I like when everything has a place. I actually get a little energized when I can organize sometimes, um, that kind of stuff. I enjoy it if I have the space for it. And I know some of you would agree with that. 
And some of you love that, some of you have no understanding of what that looks like, because you just can't understand wasting all your time putting stuff away, um, especially young people, <laughs> especially my kids. Um, but uh, I like my things neat. I like my stable neat. But you know what you find really quickly in life is that if, if that's the win in your life, you're never gonna have a harvest. You can't have a harvest if you don't have an ox. And you know what, ox are messy. Oxen are messy in life. That can't be the win in our life. I could tell you, even when it comes to like my, you know, when I think of stable, that could be anything in your life, but when I think of even our home, you know, when Joy and I got married, long, long before we were ever in vocational ministry, we had determined in our hearts that we were going to have community in our home, that we were going to allow the Lord to use us in whatever way he would see fit to have community in our home. And we have opened up our home from day one, from the time we lived in a teeny little apartment until our house that we're in now, and all the way through. And you know what? We've had lots of stuff broken in our house. We've had golf carts dinged up. We've had toilets flooded. We've had the pantry empty the day after we filled it. Youth, you know who you are. <laughs> We've had all kinds of stuff. I've had to refinish my hardwood floors three times in our house already because of stuff that's happened because of us opening our home to people. You know what? I don't regret one second of it because we're never ever gonna have a harvest in our life if the win is just to keep our stable clean. Now you can come, you can show people, you can have people come and look at your clean stable. They'll come from all around to see, wow, look how clean that stable is. But then when you tell them, well, but I don't have any animals. I don't have any food for you because I have nothing to give you because I don't have an animal because the win for me is keep my stable clean. Then you start to look foolish. But man, can we do that in our life? And I'm not saying everybody here needs to open your home and let all the youth come into your house and all your friends and you know, have all these things going on. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we cannot let whatever that is in our life, that cannot be the win to keep that clean in our life. Because the Lord wants to bring in some mess sometimes because people are messy, and we are called to community. We gotta be ready, willing, and prepared that community is going to cause some mess sometimes and gonna bring some upheaval into our life. But again, Jesus didn't just come to just make us comfortable. When he said, when he gave that hard word to those disciples, you know what, when they said this is a hard word, who can understand it, he didn't backtrack. He didn't say, well, okay, you know, you guys, some of you guys not, might not be ready for this. I mean, I don't literally mean, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood. What I mean is I just want you to kind of be a good person, you know? He didn't do any backtracking. He didn't apologize for his words. He said, I wanna know who's with me. And if you're not with me, then you're gonna have to go find community somewhere else. He wants to know today, church, who's with him. He wants us to be with him in life, amen? Praise God. Would you stand with me, please, as I close You guys want to harvest in your life? You want to see God use you for his glory and for his purposes, but also for your good? Now again, I don't want to, don't, don't pigeonhole what I'm saying here today and think like, we're just talking about like, oh, you got to be, come to all the New Hope stuff, and then we got to open up our home all the time. It, it's not just about that. I'm not, I'm not trying to advance the kingdom of New Hope here. I'm trying to advance the kingdom of God. Now, if your part in that is, to be connected here at New Hope, be part of what we're doing here, that's great. That's wonderful. I mean, we try the best we can to have to create places for us to have more community with our first Wednesdays and the gatherings and our young adults getting together and the youth service and the kids and membership and all these things that we're doing. We're trying to create spaces for us to have community, but it's not just about 
community here at New Hope. It's about, this is about a lifestyle. This is about a, a mindset, an attitude we have that we want to be vulnerable. We want to be invested in community because God has a place for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a call on your life. And his plan is good. But the enemy has a plan too. And I know all of us in here would say, I'd rather live by the plan of God in my life than the enemy. But that requires community for all of us. So I wanna pray for us. You can come to the altar if you like. I'd encourage you to come to the altar if you just wanna spend some time praying, talking to the Lord. But I'm gonna pray for all of us. And I encourage you to respond to this prayer, to receive this prayer. If you wanna open up your hands, lift your hands, get on your knees, just close your eyes, whatever you wanna do, but respond to this today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you, we worship you, God. You are so good. You really are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. God, we so often hold back all that you are worthy of. And Lord, we thank you today that you don't condemn, you don't point fingers. Lord, we know none of us are perfect. You don't call us to perfection. You call us to be all in. And that's gonna look messy sometimes, but Lord, we know that we can trust you. We know that our salvation, our name in the Lamb's Book of Life, that it is secure if we have given our lives and our hearts to you. We revel in that today, Lord. But Lord, we also know and believe that our salvation is the gateway into community, into the body of Christ, and that we all belong to each other. Lord, would you show each and every one of us in this room and all those listening, God, what that means for us in our heart. What does it mean for us to be in community? What's holding us back? What walls have we built up? God, help us to search our hearts today. Lord, shine your light in the deepest crevices of our heart. Lord, we don't wanna live this life and come to the end of this life and be able to brag about how clean our stable was, but that there was a harvest because of our obedience to you in our life. Bring us a harvest, God. Thank you, Lord, we love you. And Lord, for anyone here today, let me just speak to all of you that are here today. If there's any of you that don't know Jesus, that you say, I'm not part of this body, I'm thankful that you're here, and I pray that, you, that God would touch your heart in such a way that you would be willing to trust him with your life, that you would trust him to forgive you of your sins and to give your life to him, that your life is no longer your own, but now it's his. That you start this journey, walking this life out with Jesus. Don't leave here today without making that decision. Lord, I just pray you bless each and every one under the sound of my voice to help advance your kingdom, bring glory to your holy name. You are the only one worthy of any glory, God. We give it all to you today, Jesus. We love you, we bless you, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. All God's people said, amen, amen. Can we praise God one more time? Yes. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, praise God.